Welcome back to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an automotive columnist for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My colleague is Bruce Aldrich, and today I think we're doing our 123rd episode, and we have a a special guest who's going to enlighten us on the world of the future world, and maybe the future is now in the automotive space. His name is Danny Shapiro, and uh, Danny is uh, almost 11 years now um, with, um, am I going to pronounce it correctly, NVIDIA, and uh, the, the conference is coming up soon. And um, there's all kinds of areas with the future of the world. But since we're an automotive podcast, we're going to stick to the automotive world. So welcome to our podcast, sir. How are you today? Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. And you're right. The company is called NVIDIA. We've been around actually over 25 years. I've been here for part of that. And uh, we're focused on sort of everything AI and, and graphics and visualizations and high-performance computing. And, and all of these things come together in the car. So it's, it's a really cool space to be in. It's a great market. And, uh, and as you mentioned, we have our, our GTC, our, our GPU technology conference coming up uh, in late March in San Jose. And so we're going to be showcasing a lot of really amazing technology uh, at that event as well. Can you tell us, uh, since you started there, um, I guess 11 years now, uh, even though the company's been around longer, how has it changed for the, let's just call them the average bear, uh, for people in the car world who, you know, I, Bruce and I may know a little bit, but um, you know a lot about it. If you're the person out in the world and you've heard of autonomous driving, you've heard about these cars that are coming, some of which are now here, what, what does your conference tell the, the general public, if you will, about what's going on in, in, in the automotive world? How fast is it changing? Yeah, there's, there's incredible advances going on in the transportation industry, and it's not just cars. Um, so it's passenger vehicles, it's uh, trucks, um, and these could be construction vehicles. They could be agriculture, could be mining, um, transportation in general of goods, delivery, but, uh, but also kind of the, the nature of these cars were starting to, that there could be vehicles with no, um, no pedals. And so we're working with a number of companies that are, are developing what's being called robo-taxis, where think of it as your Uber or Lyft, but there's nobody behind the wheel. So you'll summon it with an app, and it will show up, and you'll be able to just get inside, and it will take you where you need to go. And these vehicles are going to be safer than any human-driven vehicle. They're not going to get distracted or, or drowsy. There's no driving under the influence. They have full 360-degree awareness because there's cameras and there's radar and there's laser scanners on these vehicles that can detect the full 360 degrees around them. So there's, there's a lot of development going on. We're working with hundreds of different companies from car makers like Toyota and Volvo and Mercedes to the trucking companies to these robo taxi companies that are all developing uh, autonomous vehicles. Wow! Yeah, there's a lot to put together there. It's almost like the the adage I always have heard. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, I would say three or four years ago, we thought there would be autonomous cars everywhere by now. And the more they dig into it, the more they develop. It's still out there. How many years do you think now? 
Well, I think you're right. The, the industry and what was reported, the media really underestimated the complexity of what we're trying to solve. It is a massive computing problem. It's a massive artificial intelligence challenge. And, uh, and so I think the, the initial estimates were a bit aggressive. The development is happening very rapidly, but there's really no end in sight in terms of the, the complexity of everything you need to be able to detect. So we're working on training what's called a deep neural network, and this is really a computer um, model of how the brain works. And just like a human learns over time, right, a child doesn't know much, you teach them and they learn and they remember, these deep neural networks get trained on how to recognize different objects. They uh, will recognize the lane markings. They can recognize other cars or trucks. They can recognize people. Uh, and we can train them to read signs. And But the, the world is complex. And so we're continuing to increase the amount of software that's going in the car so that it can have superhuman levels of perception and be able to react much faster than a human can. Um, the challenge, of course, is that everything that happens in the real world is unpredictable. And so we have to be prepared for things that we can't even predict. So what we're doing now is developing uh, neural networks that can anticipate the erratic behavior of other humans and anticipate that a car you know, could cut in front of us or somebody could stop suddenly or even run a red light. And so that's um, adding to the complexity that we want to build into these autonomous vehicles to ensure that they are truly safe. That's an interesting, uh, that, that was helpful, thank you. And not only, once you get that down and make, make these perceptions and, and make good decisions, at some point, the decisions have to get so finite that do I stop and run over the kid in front of me or do I turn right and then plow into the kid on the right or, or something like that? It, 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 it's amazing how more complex it just continues to get, right? It, the whole thing just snowballs. Well, Sometimes at some point yeah, you're making decisions. Yeah, I think that that's kind of a misconception. and People often ask, right, how do you make that um, oh, okay, good, yeah. no win how do you make that no-win decision? Right, there and the you reality go. is that these scenarios come about usually because um, somebody envisions that you look up all of a sudden and there's no place, nothing you can do other than hit something. And the reality is we're not having a computer that's driving distracted and looking up at the last second. But in fact, we have very long-range sensors and we're tracking everything, much more than a human could possibly track. We can monitor everything full 360 degrees around the vehicle and anticipate. And so the autonomous vehicle is going to already slow down or pull over to let you know, a speeding and irate driver pass, or they're going to be taking preventive action well in advance of getting down to that split-second decision that you're alluding to. And so, again, we have... Um, AI that is delivering perception that is better than any human can. And we have mapping systems that know the roadways down to centimeters and can position us properly. And we have path planning algorithms that, again, are looking at everything in this dynamic environment and planning in advance. It's almost like 
you know, a chess game with as many different moves were ready and prepared based on what the dynamic environment around us is to do. And they're not driving aggressive. They're not speeding. Um, they're not making fast lane changes. So the kinds of behavior that humans exhibit that results in all these collisions uh, will not be part of the autonomous vehicle. That makes sense. Thank you yes, for that. Yes, Danny, that's good education and kind of led into my next question. And I, I've referred to this a couple of times. And I'm not trying to be um, a cynic on any level, but about 20 years ago now, we had the first um, um, hybrid vehicles with the Toyota Prius, and um, they've won me over. Um, Electric cars have won me over, but the sales numbers of hybrid cars, for example, is still about 3%, and the person who's stuck in their ways, or I shouldn't even say it that way, who knows what they like, has had a hard time adjusting to... Um, hybrid cars. So is, is part of what you folks do in education um, so that a person who would say there's not a chance I'm ever going to have a vehicle like that, um, is it an education process to say, well, maybe in 20 years or 10 years or 50 years, the people who might never buy an autonomous vehicle now will because they're going to be educated by, in fact, by what just what you said. I think that um, education is certainly a, a big part of this, and we do that ourselves. We work closely with our, our automotive partners on that. Yes. We're part of an organization called PAVE, which is a partnership for autonomous vehicle education. So first and foremost, yeah, I think consumers need to be aware. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's studies that show that there are many safety features in vehicles today that people are buying that they're not even aware of. Yes. Some of those things are already running on the vehicles. Some of those things they have to activate. But my experience has been once you have some of these features, it's very difficult to go back. I mean, take example, um, uh, you know, a, a blind spot monitor, right, where your yes. mirror lights up when there's somebody in your blind spot. Yes. Um, that's a great little safety feature. And sure is. And once you lose that, you're like, I missed that. Or even a backup camera, right? And so I think once people start to experience autonomous driving features um, and the benefits they have, the increased safety, um, it is very difficult to then not have a vehicle with that. Over time, I think there could be um, more requirements that vehicle manufacturers have to put these life-saving features into vehicles, much like, you know, seatbelts and airbags are a requirement now. They weren't always. And I believe, you know, emergency braking and other um, monitoring and really life-saving technologies um, that are in these more advanced cars um, should be part of every vehicle. And well, so just... I think there's a combination of people experiencing it and potentially regulation will, will increase the adoption of driver assistance and autonomous features over time. I think you've won me over twice in like the last three minutes. So thanks for that. <laughs> I appreciate well, I've always liked the idea of autonomous cars. I don't want to, when I go to work or something, I'd like to drink my coffee and read a book. I don't yeah. I need to, but you know, the rest of the time I want to, I do want to drive anyway. Uh, can you, Danny, can you tell us about um, the 5g uh, cellular phone systems and, and, accelerated data processing and why why that's so important i think it's important to uh, autonomous cars of the future in the 5g system i think any kind of connected car certainly has benefits um 
you know, first of all, you're able to get software updates for the vehicle, just like you do your phone. And so the benefits there are that um, new features and new capabilities come to your car even after you've bought it and have been driving it. So I have a car and I get updates several times a year and I get completely new features uh, in my car. And it's just, it, it makes it feel like it's new and I'm excited about it and there's a lot of great benefits. So it's hard for me now to imagine buying a vehicle that is not software upgradable. Think of it as like your phone. Would you ever buy an iPhone or an Android phone that you would not get software updates for? <laughs> no, no, no. And by the way, I just not. I just saw a Wall Street Journal story, I think two days ago, about the comeback of flip flip phones. So that, I, I chuckled when I saw that, but I guess it's it's the new it's a retro new retro on even on phones. So, but your That's point's right. obviously very well made. Thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. I, well, I, I can't imagine not getting a, a car that, that won't get software updates in the future and new capabilities. Um, and, of course, Tesla has pioneered that, right? They are so far ahead of everyone in terms of having a computer at the center of the car and, and the whole second generation of their uh, platform is based on NVIDIA and a software-updatable computer. And that's what we're developing now with, with many other automakers. But the point is, that there's that connectivity for software, but then there's also connectivity for other applications. And so, of course, if you want to do a search for, you know, on navigation or you want to figure out what the weather is or where there's good gas prices or what times the movies and plot it all in, there's a lot of convenience features. Um, but I think what we're talking about in this case is really how will 5G and connected cars impact autonomy. Correct. And I think that um, there's there's great benefits from this, but it's not here today, and, and it's still going to be a while before any kind of infrastructure is ubiquitous. So we're not waiting for 5G in our work, but we're planning for it. What I mean by that is an autonomous car has to be just that. It has to be autonomous. It has to be able to make decisions instantly, and it can't rely on going out to the cloud to check on something or to get communication from somebody else. So we're taking all that sensor data coming in from the cameras and the radar and the LIDAR, and we have to process it in one thirtieth of a second and decide are we going to accelerate or brake or turn left or right. If we have connectivity, we can start to get communication and it's really think of it as another sensor that lets us see around the corner. Is there a traffic jam ahead or is there an accident that's caused traffic to stop? Or maybe there's black ice on the road. And so other vehicles could be sending signals to the cloud and back to us to indicate there's hazards ahead. And that will, again, increase the capabilities and increase the safety uh, by allowing us to anticipate things that we might not be able to see with other sensors. Sometimes I think about that movie from, I don't know, maybe 25 years ago now, um, with Jude Law in it. I think it was just called AI. And it looked so futuristic where the, the robot was driving him around in a, in a car. And, and now it's, well, it was 25 years ago and now is now and it's, it's right around the corner. So I, I do think of that film and it's, it's amazing that it's, it's, coming to the, it's coming to pass as we speak or, or about to at least. So to the people that, that you indicated you know, would never want to get into a self-driving car, I think it's natural for people to have fear of the unknown. If they've never experienced something before, um, some are obviously going to just embrace it 
right away. Yes. But others, again, might be concerned. And I think once you experience it, it is transformative. Once you get in the car, you realize how safe it is, how capable it is, and how liberating it is then. that, Like you said, you could drink your coffee, you could read on your commute, you could watch a movie, you could sleep. And so over time, I think we'll start to see more vehicles that are designed as other living spaces. There could be an office on wheels. It could be a, a bedroom on wheels for an overnight trip somewhere. Um, it could be, again, an entertainment, a mini theater and sound system um, inside these pods that are moving. So I, I think once we solve for delivering safe, autonomous driving, then we'll see an absolute transformation of the types of vehicles that will be on the road. I saw a list, um, oh, a month or so ago, of all of the companies in the Silicon Valley that in one way or another, or more than one way, are involved in, in this world. And I think it was something like 265. And I, I, I had no idea that there was that much um, involved. And is it safe to say that the Silicon Valley is is the hub of all this with all of those companies involved in some way? Is it is it in another part of the country too? Or or basically in, in Northern California, it's it's where it's happening. It, it definitely is where it's happening. You have starting, you know, first tech companies, um, you know, a decade ago or maybe a little more is when you started to see some of the German automakers opening up research labs here, the domestics and Japanese and, and South Korean companies. So virtually every automaker now has a presence in Silicon Valley, and they could be small labs, or they could be multiple hundreds of people, and they're technology scouts, and they're, they're working on um, all these technologies being integrated into vehicles. There's a number of startups and some unicorns that have raised billions of dollars that are developing their own vehicles, robo-taxis, um, and now a lot of these are integrated into auto companies. And then there's sensor companies, and software companies and mapping companies. And you're right, there, there are hundreds in Silicon Valley. You do have other smaller hubs um, in Detroit, um, in Munich and Stuttgart, uh, in Tel Aviv, a lot of automotive startups there, and in, in Japan and China. China is very large uh, as well in terms of hundreds of automakers there and, and startups and a big push for EVs, uh, certainly in China. And so, again, NVIDIA has provided technologies across all industries, really, from healthcare to finance to energy, but automotive is, is a key one for us. And so we're working with hundreds of automakers and the tier one suppliers and the sensor companies and the mapping companies because we've created this hardware and software platform that is programmable and can be used in all different ways by these different companies to create driver assistance systems to um, fully autonomous vehicles. And it leverages a lot of the same technology that we're developing for other industries. An example is you know, we have medical equipment that is able to help doctors detect cancer cells in, uh, in x-rays. And so that same core technology is what we use in a car to detect a pedestrian on a front-facing camera. And so we are able to uniquely leverage across these different markets, core technology. And that's kind of what our, our GPU technology conference is all about. We bring together 10,000 researchers and scientists and engineers and doctors, and, and uh, basically they're sharing their research 
across all these different industries. And so from an automotive perspective, we have people from Tesla and Ford and GM and Volvo and other car companies that are showing the latest and greatest in research for self-driving. Wow, that's a lot. Danny, I was wondering, what do you think is the biggest holdup right now as far as autonomous cars? We'll leave government out of it. But uh, is it is it data acquisition? Is it the sensors? Is it the... Uh, we'll assume that the GPUs that you you guys build is not a holdup, but is it is it processor power? Is what's what's a is there a a small pipe where there should be a big one right now? Or are they all all the different areas kind of growing at at the same time? Well, I, I think there's a couple of different things. There's um, a lot of technology being added to the vehicles, and so you have lots of cameras, radar. LIDAR, which is a laser scanner, and those are all expensive to put on a vehicle. And then you have supercomputing that's being added to the car. So right now, the cost is, is a factor for consumer vehicles, and that's why we believe the first applications are going to be commercial applications and fleets and ride-sharing and things like that. So the utilization of these vehicles can be very high, and, uh, and they'll be in fleets and they'll be maintained um, in that fashion. But also, I think um, we want to make sure that it's safe, and the stakes are very high. We want to make sure that not only are we always getting it right, but we never get it wrong. And so sure. we're developing very robust systems. There's a lot of redundancy and diversity of algorithms, checks and balances, backup systems that are being developed, and also simulation is a big part of this. So as a graphics company, we've developed kind of a virtual reality system so that we can test and validate all of the autonomous vehicle systems and put all kinds of dangerous scenarios, rare corner cases, harsh weather conditions, erratic drivers in the simulator and test the actual hardware and software that's going to ultimately go into the car, but we do it in the data center. And so we can drive millions of miles in dangerous conditions testing it before we actually put it on the roads. There's still a lot of work to be done to refine the system, um, to test and validate it, and then get it out on the road. Danny, thank you for that. Wow. That's a perfect way to uh, wrap up our uh, current episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. We'd like to thank very much Danny Shapiro for taking the time with the uh, GPU Technology Conference on the horizon. I believe it's May 20, March 23rd to 26th at the March 22nd to March 26th in San Jose. Uh, we look forward to attending. It's uh, I'm going to soak up a lot of knowledge, <laughs> I think, in the couple of days we're going to be there. So thank you again for being our guest, Danny. We look forward to shaking hands and maybe having a few minutes with you uh, next month sometime. So thanks for being our guest today. We really thank appreciate you. it very much. My pleasure and look forward to seeing you and your listeners at GTC. Thank you. Cheers. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.